0: That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the Senior Director of Charts at Billboard, and joining me as always is Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital, Katie Atkinson. Hi, Katie. Hey,
1: Keith. How's it going? Not bad. Yourself?
3: I'm all right. Did
1: you have a nice uh, weekend? Absolutely. Anything uh, exciting happen? Well, we competed in a rib cook-off. Really? I feel like people have heard about my weekend cook-off
3: long fans habits. of the podcast yeah. will know that Katie uh, and her family does a rib cook-off every year. Yeah. How'd you do this year?
1: We won People's Choice. You
3: got a People's Choice we're Award. The,
1: we're the People's Champions, yes. We were voted by the people as a People's Choice. Wow,
3: well, that's, that's cool. Was, <laughs> yeah. there, was there music to accompany the rib cook-off?
1: There always, yeah. There's a DJ outside. Oh, really? Yeah, it's great. Anyone that we know of? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. David no, Guetta, perhaps? Yeah, yeah, it's Diplo. Diplo. No.
3: <laughs> Diplo was, you never know. Pay uh, him enough money, he'll show up. Oh, uh, Um, Well, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop and ribs on -hmm. Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got news about Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper's A Star is Born soundtrack and its songs making a splash on our charts How Lindsay Buckingham is suing Fleetwood Mac because nothing in the world of Fleetwood Mac is without drama. And the breakup of Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson, along with chart updates on Steve Perry, Marshmallow and Bastille, Little Baby and Gunna and Halsey, and yeah. (laughs)
1: All that. (laughs) All that and more. Plus, we have an interview with Madison Beer. We talk all about her pop radio hit, Home With You, her new collaboration with David Guetta, her album plans, and more, so stick around for all that. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast provider, so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts.
3: Let's do some chat, chat, <laughs> chat, chat. chat. First up, friend of the podcast, Lady Gaga. Yeah,
1: that's right. That's right. Previous guest, Lady Gaga. Previous podcast Where we guest. talked about A Star Is Born more than a year ago.
3: Oh, yeah, so if you want to go hear Gaga talk about A Star Is Born as they were still filming it. Mm-hmm.
1: Right? They, right, they had just wrapped filming. Just wrapped.
3: Like it was, what, the spring of 2017? Yeah,
1: they had just wrapped filming. And the Coachella would have been April of 2017 when she headlined, right? Right. Yeah. I, or would it have been two years ago. Was it? Well let's think about wasn't it wouldn't it have been twenty sixteen that she headlined? Because didn't Beyonce Oh no, Beyonce did it this year. Alright, sorry people. No, Beyonce didn't do it this year.
3: Yeah, you get your you have wouldn't a did, Gaga
1: a, filled in for Beyonce. You have the What's, power of a computer in front okay, of you. Okay, was Bay this year?
3: Okay, Katie's gonna figure that out. In the meantime, <laughs> I'll start reading you my chart stats. So uh, first up, friend of the podcast, Lady Gaga, along with Bradley Cooper, debuts at number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart with their soundtrack to the film A Star is Born. Katie?
1: Coachella was this year. So yes, Lady Gaga wrapped filming of A Star is Born last spring when she headlined Coachella.
3: Well, I'm sure uh, <laughs> all you have to do is just Google Lady Gaga Pop Shop Podcast and you'll find Katie's interview with Gaga. Yes, listen away. Um, Well, A Star is Born, it's the fifth number one album for Gaga and the first for Cooper. Obviously, it's not like Bradley Cooper's had a whole (laughs) lot of chart success. (laughs) Although he
1: could. Man, he's good in that movie. Like, he is convincing as a musician. He's a rock star.
3: Um, Well, the set enters uh, atop the tally with 231,000 equivalent album units earned in the week ending October 11th, according, of course, to Nielsen Music. And that marks the largest week for a soundtrack in more than three and a half years. The last soundtrack to score a bigger week in terms of total units was the Fifty Shades of Grey album, which debuted at number two on the list dated February 28th, 2015, with 258,000 units earned. 16, 17, 18. Yes, that is three and a half years. Mm-hmm. I was I was terrified. I suddenly did terrible math on Sunday when I wrote my story. Um, this is the third soundtrack. Uh, that's hit number one this year on the billboard 200 by the way previously at number one was black panther the album the greatest showman and the greatest showman now i wonder will we get any more soundtracks at number one this year i think the only thing that seems like a possibility might be mary poppins returns
1: oh yeah that seems
3: maybe maybe seems like a maybe depends i mean it depends on how huge the movie is yeah i mean i don't think anyone's expecting the greatest showman to do what it ended up doing right I don't know. Stay tuned. Mm -hmm. Next up, it's a pretty busy week on the Billboard 200 chart, and really a lot of our charts, actually. Um, On the Billboard 200, there are six debuts in the top ten, led by, of course, A Star is Born. The other debuts, 21 Pilots Trench starts at number two, and then we have um, new albums debuting from Little Baby and Gunna. It's a collaborative album. Uh, Eric Church. Steve Perry, of course, the former frontman of Journey, and for King and Country, all debut in the top 10 as well. Some notable nuggets about these top 10 debuts. I mean, I could rattle off stuff about each of them, but I'm not gonna. (laughs) Um, Trench starts with 175,000 units earned, and of that, 135,000 are in album sales, which represents 21 Pilots' biggest sales week ever for an album. Uh, So, though they aren't number one, they can still at least crow about how it's their best sales week. And for Steve Perry, his Traces album, which is his third solo studio effort, debuts at number six. And that marks his first top 10 album ever. Uh, The former Journey frontman, of course, visited the chart twice previously as a soloist with his two earlier studio albums. Uh, For the Love of Strange Medicine reached number 15 in 1994. And "Street Talk" hit number twelve in 1984.
1: Is that the one that's like "Oh Sherry"? Yeah, that's the one with yeah. "Oh
3: Sherry." I actually watched that video the other day.
1: Oh, it's a pretty good video.
3: It's it's a it's bit so 80s. It's a it's very 80s. <laughs> it's, it's, it has like a, a minute and a half sort of like intro, yeah. like fake out. Anyway, go watch it. <laughs> um. Anyway, while Perry was with Journey, the band notched seven top tens uh, from 1980s departure through 1996's trial by fire lastly the billboard hot 100 songs chart is quite busy this week not even just in the top 10 but the whole chart is kind of crazy so make sure to tune in to Gary and Trevor on our chart beat podcast and of course visit billboard.com slash chart beat for all sorts of chart goodness we can't cover everything no. there was a there was a nice uh, person last week who tweeted at us um, tweeted at me asking, basically saying like, oh, I basically didn't address Little Wayne's debuts in the top 10 on the Hot 100, you know, as in-depth as I could have. And that is true, mm-hmm. but there was just like so much to talk about. Yeah. And um, and we know that Gary and Trevor, because they're like super hyper-focused on charts, they'll get into it. Yes. Um, with that said, mm-hmm. um, Maroon 5's Girls Like You featuring Cardi B holds at number one for a fourth week on the Hot 100. Plus, there are a trio of collaborations that hit the top 10. Lil Baby and Gunna's Drip Too Hard zooms 25 to 4. Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper's Shallow charges 28 to 5. And Marshmallow and Bastille's Happier climbs 13 to 8. Now, Drip Too Hard was the most streamed song of the week, and it gives Gunna his first top 10 and Little Baby his second. Shallow grants Gaga her 15th top 10 and Cooper his first, and there's lots of other songs from Gaga and Cooper on the chart elsewhere. Um, as there I, I my ears, there are five, five total on a 100. It was a, it was, people bought a, it not only did people buy the album, um, it did pretty, it did pretty well in streaming, not like rap streaming I've been numbers. streaming. Um, but it actually, the tracks actually sold really well, hmm. too, which is kind of weird. You're like, well, why are people just buying individual tracks just buy the whole album? Especially since it's coming from a sort of a musical-ish movie. If
1: you watch the movie, though, there are definitely songs that get bigger looks than other ones. Ones that are on the soundtrack that I didn't even... Here in this in the movie, really, and so I think you probably could come out of there thinking, "I want those three songs, those three songs, and maybe not the whole album." Exactly. Hmm. Yeah.
3: Um, Oh, so yeah. Eh, Ooh, and Mm -hmm. for Marshmallow, uh, he gets his first top ten, and Bastille nabs their second. That's a lot of stuff. Hmm. Um, Outside the top ten, there's no shortage of action, and among the movers and shakers is Halsey. Who debuts at number 18 with her new single, Without Me. Now, of course, had, you know, Lil Baby and Gunna's album not dropped and Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper had not, you know, suddenly showed up with Stars Born, certainly Halsey would have started higher. Yeah. But dims the breaks And I mean, top charts. 20. That's a pretty good debut. Yeah. Do we know, unprompted, is this from like a brand new album
1: that's coming? I don't know that do we she's even announced really an album yet. Ah. Uh, these artists
3: these days it could just be a standalone single for all we know
1: should we start with some super sad news let's just launch into news with sure great um as many of you have probably already heard since you're pop music fans and followers of music news um after nearly five months together ariana grande and pete davidson have parted ways and called off their engagement so according to tmz and people the pop star and Saturday Night Live comedian who started dating in May mutually agreed to the split, indicating that the timing was off for the relationship to develop and that they still deeply care about each other. So Billboard reached out to representatives for both Grande and Davidson, and we have not heard back, nor has either star confirmed the breakup on social media yet. So this is all coming from TMZ, TMZ. and People Magazine reports.
3: But people is somewhat trustworthy when it comes to relationship stuff.
1: They are way reliable when it comes to marriages, babies, relationships, people. Hmm. Um, So Grande uh, was scheduled to appear at a uh, Fuck Cancer benefit concert on Saturday. All right. uh, But she canceled her performance, um, and Scooter Braun, her manager, ended up speaking in her place, I guess, or I mean, obviously he wasn't going to sing, sing in her place, but he did give a speech and and he sort of alluded to the difficult time that she's going through, um, in the speech that he delivered at the event. Um, and of course, in addition to this, uh, breakup, there was also the death of her ex-boyfriend, Mac Miller, the previous month. So when he was speaking about her going through a tough time, obviously that, you know, encapsulates that as well um yeah. yeah that's i mean it was it was such a whirlwind it all you know they were engaged in less than a month um of dating uh and who knows what the future holds i maybe but, they'll get reengaged. i would put some money on them getting back together sure because it just seems like you know the, the fire just burned too bright too quick
3: meanwhile pete davidson was on snl on Saturday night and like allegedly
1: normal. reportedly ari was there Really? And then the TMZ report came out Sunday. So, yeah. Well, who so, knows? Indeed. Just, we don't know. We don't, what we, we know is what I just told you.
3: You know, we, we, <laughs> we, can only, we can only know so much. And, you know, there's only so much that we can know.
1: It's <laughs> so true. Um, so moving on to, uh, you know, more breakup news. Um, Lindsey Buckingham sued his former band Fleetwood Mac last week. Did I say Fleetwood Mac properly? It felt like I said it wrong. I think
3: you said Fleetwood Mac. It is.
1: Fleetwood Mac last week for kicking him off their new tour. Um, And in a response from the band, the spokesperson uh, named Kristen Foster says, Fleetwood Mac looks forward to their day in court. Oh, I'm sure they all do. (sighs) Nothing nothing more fun than to have Fleetwood Mac in court. (laughs) So in the lawsuit, uh, the guitarist and songwriter is seeking his share of tour income because he says he still wants and is able to perform.
3: Yeah, but if the other four don't want you.
1: Well, so the suit names bandmates Mick Fleetwood, Stevie Nicks, Christine McVie, and John McVie. Buckingham claims he was told five days after the group appeared at Radio City Music Hall in January. That was for um, Music Music Cares during the Grammys. Uh, He was told that the band would tour without him. He says he would have been paid at least $12 million for his share of the tour proceeds. Uh, The tour kicked off on October 3rd with uh, Mike Campbell and Neil Finn performing in Buckingham's place. So
3: what is Lindsay actually... What is, like, the thing he's suing for? He's, like, suing for, like, damages... Loss
1: of income. But
3: he was, like, let go from the band.
1: Yeah, so... But he's saying he should get paid what this tour would have paid.
3: But if you're just, like, let go from the band, do you have any right to, like, say...
1: We don't know when this tour was conceived and whether he had agreed to it or signed anything or planned on it or, you know, made made arrangements for his life based on a tour schedule that might have existed. So perhaps
3: there's a suggestion that there were already plans, like they internally knew that the tour was going to happen, and then all of a sudden he's just like shown the door and he's like, uh, I rearranged my life.
1: Meanwhile, he's touring himself simultaneous to Fleetwood Max tour. Uh yeah. just hit LA, I think, a few days ago actually. So um, you know.
3: I think this is the first time that it's actually been some sort of like court.
1: Right. As you, I mean, you alluded to the fact that like there's nothing but drama in the history of this band and relationship drama and just inner, you know, uh squabbles. Personnel drama. Personnel I mean, drama in I general.
3: Mean, Lindsay <laughs> I mean, really like the band could have sued him right. in like eighty seven or eighty eight because They put out the Tango in the Night album, um, and he, I guess, had disagreements with the band, or I don't know what happened. I mean, you probably can't get a straight story out of anyone about what happened. They released singles. They filmed music videos. They started promoting it. The album was a success. The singles were a success. They were supposed to go on tour. The tour was routed. They were ready to go, and then suddenly something happened. They had an argument, and Lindsay left. And then they suddenly had to find two people to replace Lindsay because the tour was already routed and ready to go. And then he doesn't come back to the band until 1997 for the reunion album, The Dance. So why didn't Fleetwood Mac then sue him and say, you left us in the lurch? And why did you quit?
1: I mean, And maybe they thought they could tour without him this time. Like, okay, remember when we didn't sue you then? like why don't you be cool about this uh, we just don't want to see you night after night
3: yeah it's all well let's
1: it's it. all very fluid max but you're right it's the legal aspect is a new a new fun wrinkle and things yeah
3: i, I, I look forward to seeing stevie x on the you know stand testifying no i don't i mean goodness gracious i'm not sure she does either anyway uh, let's move on Sorry.
1: okay so moving on um Quavo, one-third of Migos, released his first solo album late Thursday last week, and it is packed with features including Drake, Normani, Travis Scott, and both of his Migos bandmates. Um, then there's this other song. It's called Champagne Rosé, or if you pronounce it like Champagne it's said Rose. in the song, it's Champagne, Champagne Rosé. Rose. <laughs> um, this one features Quavo's sister-in-law. Cardi B, of course, right. married to Offset makes sense, um and Madonna, sure, you know Madonna. <laughs> Keith, might have I. Everyone who listens to the show knows Keith likes Madonna. Don't know what you're talking Madonna. about. Haven't the yet. So I just wanted to bring this up. I just wanted to set the table to just chat with Keith about Madonna <laughs> being on the Quavo album. <laughs> the Quavo album is called, by the Quavo way, Quavo Huncho.
3: Quavo Huncho. And uh, because it's a little chart action for you, because it actually was released uh, on Thursday yeah. last week, it was released early. It was actually released three hours earlier than normal. Yep,
1: it was 9 p.m. Eastern.
3: So it debuts on our charts this week. Oh. It,
1: it debuts, as I look behind me. Uh, at number 66
3: on the Billboard that 200. was a
1: respectable debut for three hours of yeah. consumption.
3: So uh, obviously that album, in theory, should shoot up the chart next yes. week. I don't know where it's going to end up. Um, stay tuned to Billboard.com. Um, but yeah, it does feature a song featuring Madonna, which is so <laughs> weird. Like, Madonna, I think, has only been featured on – don't quote me, but try me – twice – Um, Oh, wow. This is information I did not have. um, Well, there was Britney Spears featuring Madonna, Me Against the Music. Sure. And then there's this.
1: Stop. I don't... That's it? I don't think... Wow.
3: I mean, I could do an iTunes Google. Feel free to iTunes Google it. It just makes you
1: wonder how much she's turned down. Like, how many people she's turned down. How many opportunities that she let go. But she decided that Britney and that Quavo were, yep, like, let's go for it. And, and you know, if you if you listened to the song yet, if anyone's listening has listened to the song yet, the feature is, is literally, it's very, it's very small. It's just a vocal of Madonna saying Champagne Rosé, right? Like, yeah. basically. Drink
3: me up in yeah something, something, Champagne Rosé. Yeah, it's and, it's,
1: and it sounds very similar to what Keith just said it's, there. It's,
3: it's like eight words, ten words, and she just said it. It's like repeated Endlessly. So
1: it made me wonder whether she was with a, f- a... She adds
3: like two more lines, I think, in the bridge, maybe. It's almost like she recorded like a voice memo and sent it to Quavo. I was going to
1: say, it made me wonder if she worked with the producer of the song or something. And this producer had this little bit of a you know of a thing. And then Quavo asked, is it cool if I turn this into a song? Like, with you staying on it? And she said yes, obviously, because this song exists in the world and was released. It's
3: barely a feature.
1: It's, yes, it's barely, a but it's the first thing you and I both open up that track list. See Madonna, Cardi B. Obviously, it's the first song we're listening to. It's
3: a huge WTF. <laughs> I mean, it
1: is. It is. I I thought it was. I thought it was a WTF before I knew this information. That it is, it is fifty percent of her featured credits, like yeah. in the world.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's it's um, yeah.
1: All right, well, I'm looking forward to what Madonna has to say about this. Like, has, I, she, spo- has she said a thing about it? Has she tweeted um, she, about it? Or she anything? posted
3: an Instagram um, acknowledging that it exists, but she hasn't. I, it just seems like it's just sort of like a. Yeah, I did this thing.
1: Do you remember the other, like, Madonna Migos uh, cross reference thing that happened earlier this year? They filmed a music video and posted a screenshot of the music video, and she was like, What are you doing at my house? Do you remember that? Well, they like filmed something at her house. She, or well, at- she
3: she was like her. It was her Oscar party.
1: So were they literally at her house? Like I think and, so. she, and like she was there, and it was all just like a joke. Yeah, it well, made it seem like she used to live there, and then like they were filming something. Well, there. I don't know
3: where exactly it was, but M- <laughs> Migos was Migos and Cardi B were both at Madonna's Oscar party. Okay, I th- I, th- I think. Okay. And um, there's were a shot. Two separate things. There's a shot on Madonna's Instagram where Cardi. Um Quavo and her are like in a sort of photo op setup.
1: Okay, so you and I are talking about two different Two things. different things. I am Because sorry. Migos filmed their Narcos video at uh at a house that Madonna either once owned or currently owns and she didn't know about it. Oh. So she saw that on their Instagram and was like, Yo, that's my house. That's
3: weird. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That
1: happened over the summer.
3: Yeah, we're talking about two different things. Anyway,
1: they're they're friends. Yeah, and now they have a feature together.
3: I think it would have. I think, perhaps, in my opinion, because yeah, I've been very delicately not actually given an opinion about right. this track. Um, I I would like to see a Cardi Madonna collabo, just the two of them, just because. Oh yeah, Cardi is a known and admitted fan of Madonna, and she's played Madonna's music on her Instagram. She says, you know, she's talked about how her mom introduced her to like Madonna's music, and yeah. she like will like play old Madonna tracks from the '80s. Like, that, I think, sort of makes sense in terms of, like, what seems like a natural fit. And, like, the Britney-Madonna thing obviously made sense because Britney was, you know, sort it of... It was like
1: a passing of the baton. No. Right then.
3: Madonna still holds that baton. No one's going to take the damn thing. <laughs> I'm sorry, it was a sharing of the baton. It's, it's not a relay race. She's not somewhere in the background, and Britney runs ahead. It's it's sort of a sharing of, like, the sort of the pop princess, yes. queen of
1: pop, you yes. know, that whole thing. Yes.
3: Um, but this, I was like, really? Quavo? But, you know, it's like...
1: We'd like to hear your opinions. You tell us what you think. Oh, yeah. Twitter. Tell
3: tell us what you think of this champagne rose.
1: (laughs) Ah. my game. Whatever the hell just saying. So now it is time for our interview with Madison Beer. Who's not old enough to drink champagne rose. Or beer. Or beer. The pop singer has been in the public eye since she was 13. And now that she's 19, she's really ready to introduce her musical voice to her massive fan base. She came into the office to talk about her pop radio hit, Home With You, her recent dream collaboration with David Guetta for Blame It On Love, her plans to finally release a debut album, and much more. So here's our interview with Madison Beer. I ain't Hello to Madison Beer, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming in today. Of
2: course. Thanks for having me.
1: Of course. And first of all, congratulations on the success of your song, Home With You. Thank you. Um, It's your first song to hit Billboard's Pop Songs radio airplay chart. Mm -hmm. Um, Why do you think this song specifically connected the way it did?
2: Um, I think we live in a really important time right now and a a very interesting time as well. I think um, women are finally really getting the respect that they've always deserved, and I think that we... With social media and with music and with um, accessibility to each other, we've been able to really, you know, discuss how to say no and how to stand up for ourselves and how to be strong and, you know, uh, come together as a gender and be able to be, you know, equal to men. And I think that my song really conveys that message in a a fun, loving way. It's it's definitely... um, meant to be lighthearted and it's meant to you know have you could play it in your room and listen to it without even thinking of the meaning but I also love it when people will really digest the lyrics and be able to be like have have my voice in the back of their head saying you know I'm not going home with you
1: Totally. And Mm -hmm. you co-wrote the song, um, so it must be especially gratifying to have it have such success. Oh, yeah, of
2: course. I mean, we did a show the other day, and there was uh, these little girls who couldn't be older than seven years old singing every word to the song. And I stopped at the end, and I was like, you guys are amazing. I was like, I just want you to know, like, those lyrics mean a lot, and one day, maybe not yet, but one day, (laughs) I hope that you really use them and remember for the rest of your life that you don't have to do anything you don't want. And it it was just cool to see, even at that age. You
1: know, it's funny, because we actually just interviewed... um, Emily Warren, a couple of weeks ago, who co-wrote mm, yeah, um, she, Dua Lipa's New Rules. Yeah. Um, and she told us a story about how um, when she first moved to L.A. that uh, she got the advice that she should never write a song where the guy isn't going to get it, like quote unquote get <laughs> That's it, which funny. Times is have definitely changed. <laughs> uh, right. Um, yeah. So hearing your song and hearing New Rules and having them be such big yeah. radio hits, obviously well, it's, you know, the tide has changed a bit. To yeah. Say the least. And I'm
2: very glad that I'm hopefully one of the reasons that's maybe a few people's minds have changed yeah
1: (laughs) um you know you made your late night debut with the song uh performing on James Corden Mm -hmm. uh that's such a huge platform for you and such a big audience uh what feedback did you get after that performance
2: everyone loved it I mean it was definitely I mean obviously it was my first thing so people knew I was really nervous and Uh, It was highly anticipated. So I was in my head a lot about it, but it was really fun And there was people who flew from like nashville to come see it And it it, it was a really really cool thing and james was so sweet and he came up to me after I performed and he was like Do you feel confident in that? I think it was amazing, but if you want to do it again I'll let you do it again. He was so nice and um really made me feel comfortable with everything He let me go into the sound room and like listen to everything and give my feedback So it, it was a really fun experience. I think the fans really liked it as well
1: you know and it seems like such um it's the kind of show that you know my mom watches that show like did you find that people were discovering you through it who maybe didn't for sure. know about you? yeah before?
2: every show i do that isn't at my own tour i make sure to you know be like hey i'm um, by the way my name is <laughs> this is what i do for a living and i hope that you like the way i sing in my music so i love going on a show or having a platform where feel I like i could really introduce myself to people but that is a more nerve-wracking experience because you're like well sure. if, if i make a bad first impression then i don't really get another one <laughs> but uh it's fun i think it's it's really fun to be able to go out there and catch new eyes and get more of an audience
1: totally and uh home with you It was part of your first ep um as she pleases mm-hmm. which came out earlier this year you know you've been in the public eye and making music since you since 2012 since you were 13 right. um so why why did it take so long to kind of put this project out and and you know to introduce yourself in this way
2: um well i, I you know You said it yourself, like, I was 13 years old. I feel like I didn't have a sense of artistry or I didn't have a sense of the music that I wanted to make. And every time I would go in the studio and I'd make my EP, a month later I'd scrap it and be like, I hate every song. I don't want to do it (laughs) because that's how 13-year-olds are. So, you know, (laughs) I just felt like it was better to take my time with it and really learn who I was before putting myself out into the world in the way that I did. Because I'm already, you know, I have a very intrusive life, I guess you could say. Like, I think that a lot of people know... Too much about me Truthfully I think that you know So for me To have some Ounce of control Over the way People perceive me That like was a really Like fulfilling thing And I was like You know what I'm gonna wait Until I feel really Confident in this And it ended up Being like the EP Was really Something for me to communicate to the world who I really was, because I think there's a lot of misconceptions of who I am and what I'm about and the things I like out there um, that I get judged on social media or whatever. And so I I really wanted to take that opportunity to be like, you know, this is this is the kind of music I'm into. This is I hope you listen to my IP and say, okay, I think I know Madison Beer a little bit.
1: You know, um, having that debut on our pop songs chart and getting that radio airplay, it just feels like this big, like legitimate step in your music career. Yeah. Because, you know, when, when you Google your name, you're getting fashion results and relationship results, but you're a musician and yeah. this is, you know, what you set out to do from the very beginning. So For it's sure. cool to like get to this point where oh, like, yeah, the music so is finally getting heard the way it should be. For sure. It's definitely
2: better. and I'm sure. <laughs> it's a lot better. <laughs> a lot more fulfilling.
1: Um, Do you have a a full-length album in mind? Is that a priority for you? I do,
2: yeah. I mean, listen, like, the times have changed. Like, albums don't do as well now, and they don't sell as well, and it's kind of more of an investment than it is a return. But I just think as an artist, like, putting an album out is, like, such an amazing, gratifying feeling, and I want to make sure that I, you know, uh, like, I conveyed myself with my EP. I feel like now I've... I've even more developed into my artistry and I've even more like learned who I am. So it's just, it's something that I definitely want to do and I'll, I'll hopefully have one out top of the year. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm really trying to get it done and have it be like a continuous story okay
1: yeah did you um you know grow up with albums that were your favorites things that you might look to as inspiration you know going into
2: growing up it was kind of more songs than it was albums i feel like as i've gotten older and i've been able to really appreciate music i've i've you know listened to albums i mean like i can name 20 that i pull inspiration from but um I, i just love music music's been a part of me my entire life and it's been my escape for a long time so i just feel like hopefully someone could listen to my album and get inspiration and you know come follow in my footsteps at one point and i think that's that's the beauty of it and totally. yeah so i definitely i'm definitely gonna have one out for sure awesome um are you working on it now i am i'm i'm probably like six seven songs deep okay. so i'm I'm almost there but um i really want it to be perfect last time i was seven songs deep with my ep i scrapped it also like <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely be taking my time with it but it, it's coming
1: and um, do you plan to do as much uh, songwriting on it
2: as you were able to do on the EP? Even more. Um, I mean, I wrote half of my EP, I would say, and I, if not more, I, I don't really know the exact number. I, I could figure it out if I tried, <laughs> but um, I'm I'm definitely hoping to have written at least every every song. I, I want to have at least a little bit of. of my name on it You know and, and I don't think A lot of people realize How it works Kind of I think people Assume that everyone Writes every song When in reality Most people don't Write yeah. their own songs Which is fine Because I think You putting your voice on it Is enough In itself And um, But for me I feel like now It's even important Like with my song Dead or with Home With You For mm-hmm. example That were demos Previously When I get them They sound completely Different than to How they are now Because mm-hmm. I'll go in With the producer And I'll change the production And I'll rewrite a line or two Just to like adapt it To my own views and the way I speak or whatever so that's at least what I'm doing for my my album so if there's if I don't write 100% of the songs at least I produce some of them or did this or did that so there's always going to be pieces of me in there it's not just ever going to be someone else's whole thing
1: and are you somebody who like is always kind of you know jotting down lyrics yes. or yeah are you like my in notes are like or, one-liners
2: yeah. and everyone's like why is there this n- note like literally actually it's funny you say that because my uh, my friend was on my phone and she was writing... I had to, like, do this weird project thing. She was writing things that I said down in my phone mm. and she saw the other one and it said, um, when I fell for you, it made the ocean seem deep, seem shallow, mm. and I, like, wrote that down and she was like, what, what, what is this? She's like, what, <laughs> this what are you writing about? what are you writing about? I was like, <laughs> I just do that all the time. So I'm always jotting down things.
1: Do you, like... Um, do you, have you gotten a chance, I guess, to get into the room with, like, songwriters and do, like, songwriting camp type things as well?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, so... Like for mys for example, my song Tyler Durden, Teenager in Love, Fools, those were all written in basically a writing camp with um, these two guys who actually have done a lot on my album as well. Um, and yeah, we just sit down and we come up with ideas. And so, for example, like Tyler Durden is like the funniest story I think. So it's actually people some like most people that come up to me and say they love my EP say they love Tyler Durden. Yeah, like, always. So. Um, We had a session this day and we're very close friends like we all are super super close So we had a session this one day, but we hadn't seen each other in a few months So we kind of wasted the whole day catching up sure. and watching youtube videos <laughs> or whatever And then all of a sudden we looked at the clock and it was 10 p.m We were like, oh no, we just wasted our whole day and as I was about to call my uber and go home I was like should we just write a song like really quick? And if we have to throw it away, we will. at least we did something. And they're like, Yeah, yeah. What do you want to write about? We had just finished watching Fight Club, so I was like, Let's write. Let's write about Tyler Durden. They're like, Okay, cool. I wrote it in maybe ten minutes. Whoa! And then went into the booth, cut it, thought we'd never do anything with it again, and then it just never left my head. I was like, I really like that song. I think that's like maybe one of my favorite songs we've ever done, and it's it's the favorite. So I think it's funny how those things happen.
1: Yeah, I guess you can't even plan for it. No, most you of the time. can't. Um, you know, we talked to you on the red carpet at the VMAs in August um, and you mentioned that you're planning to get in the studio with Max Martin and I'm going to totally butcher his name but Savin Kotecha. Mm-hmm. Um Have you already had a chance to uh, we've gotten
2: like songs from them and stuff but I haven't been face to face like in okay. a studio with them yet but it's it's going to happen. For sure, I would awesome. love to work with them. I mean, they're legends. So
1: yeah, the the like list of songs yeah, that their names are attached to it's at this ridiculous. point is nuts. Yeah. Um, in addition, to your own projects, you actually worked with uh, David Guetta on the song yeah. "Blame It on Love" for his new album. Yeah. Um, how did that collaboration come
2: about? I mean, I've been a fan of David Guetta's for a long time. I mean, I've like I love EDM, I love house music, whatever. So he's just I think such a cool DJ, and he's been so influential on music in the past, however many years. Um, and I when he was doing his album, they were like, you know, reaching out to people being like who wants to be on it, whatever. And when they hit us up, I was so excited. And I I didn't really think the song was going to make the album because I figured maybe I'm just one of the people who's recording it and not going to get on it. And then once we found out that it was actually going to be on the album and that he loved working with me, it was it was really, really cool. That's huge. Yeah. It's so it's so awesome.
1: Um, do you have any other dreams like that, that you kind of hope people who will just drop out of the sky and email Uh, you to be on a project?
2: Daft Punk is at the top of my list. You mentioned
1: that the VMAs, that would be... They're still up there. So if they're listening, please
2: (laughs) contact my people. (laughs) Oh, I always want new music from them. So
1: yes, I just want them to make new music in general. uh, Um, But call Madison when you do. Yeah, please. Um, uh, You did a tour last spring around the EP. Um, You know, what did you learn from that? Your first headlining tour experience?
2: Um, I learned a lot from it. I think it was much different than I expected it to be. I started with the European tour and then went to u s. Mm-hmm. and um, in Europe, I was expecting it to be much calmer than the US because Mm. I mean I'm used to fans in America it was the opposite the fans overseas are so excited and they're just like so full I mean of course the ones in America are too but like overseas it was just crazy and it was just such a fun experience I think it was it was a learning experience as well as um, a growing experience and it was just really cool being able to put on a show every night I mean this is what I've dreamed of my whole entire life so like for me it was nothing but amazingness and the second it ended I couldn't wait to get on the US one so I was (laughs) very happy to be on tour and i hope to be on many many more
1: yeah do you have any plans to to tour yeah so
2: when the album's out after the album comes out i'll I'll be on tour very shortly after probably two three weeks after the the album drops and um i'm just excited i'm like so i I dream about it It's, it's tour is like my favorite thing ever
1: are there people that you love seeing live that you've seen before and kind of are like ah I, they're, they're awesome i awesome mean rihanna's performers. like my
2: favorite person i'm trying to think of the most recent person do you know young blood yeah so he's amazing like i saw him live the other day and i was so blown away he's like an incredible performer that's awesome yeah
1: do you like to get out to see shows yeah
2: i, lo- I love live music and i love like i also go to shows because i learn things from it and i get ideas and i saw the childish gambino concert recently oh, and it yeah. just like inspired so much for me and he's so especially good i saw him at like the um scotia in toronto mm. and that that itself inspires me whenever i see an artist in an arena i'm like i want to be here one day i want to be doing this yep. so um it, it's good to kind of give yourself motivation
1: it's kind of insane how he, like, literally, like, is able to recreate the energy from This America, This Is America video, like, mm-hmm. live. Yeah. It's,
2: it's nuts. I know. It's crazy.
1: Um, So uh, we've talked about a lot of things, but, like, can you tease anything that's next? What do your fans not know about that they should know about?
2: Yeah, I have a single coming out really soon okay. that I'm super, super excited about. It's probably my favorite one yet, and it's super strong. And it's, again, with the same kind of message of being badass and, hmm. you know, being yourself. So I'm I'm excited for it
1: awesome well we will look out for that thank you. Um, really appreciate your time today and yeah, good luck too.
2: with the new single
1: and all of your future music thank you so much thanks Madison bye That's Thank you so much to Madison for coming into the office. Um, We are looking forward to her next music, which, as she sort of teased, is coming very soon. Maybe out right now. I don't think it will be. It's not that soon. It's not that soon. (laughs) Soon Soonish. And now it's time for
3: the chart stat of the week. This week in 1970, the Jackson 5's I'll Be There topped the Hot 100, the fourth and final chart topper for the sibling group. The track climbed 2-1 to one on the tally dated October 17, 1970, and spent five weeks at number one. I'll Be There was the fourth number one in a row for the group, following The Love You Save, ABC, and I Want You Back. The act would continue to chart hits through the 1970s, even after the act had a slight lineup change and a new name, The Jacksons. Uh, That was when Jermaine left the group and was replaced with one of the younger brothers, whose name just fell out of my head. Mm. But anyway, eventually (laughs) Jermaine came back in the the, the 80s, and it was all fine. Um, The act last visited the Hot 100 in 1989 with nothing, parenthetical, that compares numeral to the letter U in parenthetical and no that's not a cover of princes nothing compares to you <laughs> it's it's a very very different song it's very 1989 <laughs> sort of like like la reed Babyface, sort of like okay. that you know like bobby brown like sort of pebbles oh sound. sure yeah. yeah i might lots, need to listen to that lots now. of sort of like i mean
1: yeah. is that the new jack swing it's, it's, or it's pre- very, new jack it
3: seems like it's sort <laughs> of like right on the cusp of sort of Pre New Jack or right in the thick of New Jack, yeah. Anyway, New Jackson Swing, (laughs) I suppose. There you go. Uh, I'll be there. Made a return visit to the top of the Hot 100. Yes, by way of Mariah Carey's cover of the track in 1992. Her version topped the list for two weeks. Some other songs that hit number one twice by two different acts. Venus by The Shocking Blue and Banana Rama. You Keep Me Hanging On by The Supremes and Kim Wilde. And Lady Marmalade by La Belle, And then later, Christina Aguilera, Little Kim, Maya, and Pink. And that's just a few. There have been like eight or nine songs that's that hit number one. That's fascinating. Yeah. Just it's
1: really good songs. Lady
3: Marmalade was the last one to do it. Wow. We haven't had a, a number one come back to number one in a cover form Mm. so there you have it this week in 1970 the jackson five scored its fourth and so far final number one on the hot 100 with I'll i'll be there okay katie any parting
1: words oh i really love that mariah cover of i'll be there
3: well um since we didn't actually hear it in the charts yeah, that we heard we the Jacksons give go give the
1: people out. a little taste of that yeah yeah see Mariah. You next time. bye bye just call my